Well, good morning, church. Let's stand and worship together. Your freedom, awake and alive. 
Hey, we do me a favor while we're uh, transitioning songs. We turn to your neighbor, and if you didn't come with them, I guess we're not supposed to tell you to shake hands, but can you wave at somebody across the aisle? Welcome to church this morning.
a good God, and we're so thankful this morning that we can stand here and lift our voices and lift our hands in worship. And even when it feels like the night's closing in on us, that the waves are crashing, you're never gonna let us down. You've got us right in the palm of your hands. We're thankful this morning that we can stand on the promise that if the Son has set us free, that we're free indeed, that we can have true freedom in Jesus. for the Father, I pray this morning. Father, you'll just wrap us in your arms. It's in the name of Jesus we pray and everybody in this building said, amen. Isn't it so awesome to uh, serve a God who is always there? To serve a God that no matter what we're going through, no matter, as Nick said, no matter how uh, dark it may seem, no matter how dry it may feel, that he gives us a promise that says that I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. That he gives us a promise that says basically that he's good all the time. Even when, when it feels like there's so much in our life and it feels like that, that it, we're doing everything that we know to do, but we still feel so empty. God said, just lean on me. Know that I'm good and I'm always good and I will never, ever disappoint you. Our friends and our family may disappoint us as good as their intentions may be. But when we come down to it, there's only one person. There's only one person being that will never, ever let you down. And that's God. Can somebody thankful for that this morning? Amen. I want to thank you for being here. Uh, we are so honored that uh, you have chosen to be with us at Gateway Church, to spend your Sunday morning with us. If you are a guest, uh, we want to welcome you. Uh, we are glad that, that you're here, and uh, we would love just a chance immediately following service uh, downstairs on the right-hand side over here. There'll be some staff over there. If I haven't got a chance to, to meet you, I would love that opportunity uh, just to, to get to know your name and, and let you know that we were so glad that you're here. Uh, we started a series last week, and we began to, to look at what it would be like if, if we could simply transition from just a good life to a better life. I mean, let, let's be honest. Life is good. I mean, for the most part, uh, uh, when, when you come down to it, you would say life is good. Uh, there's even a, uh, a company of clothing, a line of clothing that's, that's called just that. Life is good. And, and as I was preparing this sermon, I was sitting at the, the kitchen table and my wife walked in, and, and she had a T-shirt on. And you know what it said? Life is good. And when you start to think about your life, when I start to think about my life, I see that, that I've been blessed beyond measure. I understand that I live in a country that is blessed. 
So it isn't a stretch for us to say that life is good. But therein lies the problem. Because we've become so accustomed to the good life. We've become so accustomed to good that we no longer compel to strive for better. And so when we look at this series that we're in, we entitled it A Better Life. And we're looking at verses in the Bible that contain the word better. Uh, Last week we looked at better is one day in your courts. And we talked about how that we can do a life with God. It doesn't just have to be a, a, a moment It doesn't just have to be something that we do uh, when we get up in the morning over a cup of coffee. We have, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit and he lives in us. And we talked about how that everywhere that we go, that he is with us. But today I want to look at another verse of scripture. And I want to address a lie that, that culture has taught us. You see, for years, we have always heard, we have been taught That if one is good, two is better. You may have a a, a child that's very good at one sport. And you think, well, that's that's good, but I want you to be a two-sport athlete. One is good, but two is so much better. We, We may say, well, having one kid is good. But then after we have one, we think, well, having two would be so much better. For some of you, it's three or four or five, six. I lose count. I just see kids running around, and I think I, they belong to them. I've given up on trying to remember kids' names in this church. I just, hey, you. I used to make fun of uh, the previous pastor because I was youth pastor and I knew every kid's name. And he was like, what's that kid? And they go belong to that family. And, and I'm like, how could you not know that? Now I'm that person. Like I see all these, love seeing all these young faces. I'm trying to remember your name, I promise. But that cultural lie started way back in the Garden of Eden. You can see how that it began. God created everything, and he said it was good. He created man. He said it was good, but he said he's alone. So in that time, he he put Adam into a deep sleep. He took a rib, and he made Eve. God said, be fruitful, multiply. He said, anything in this garden you can have except that one tree. You can have anything you want just not that one. And so Satan, in the form of of evil that came as a snake, he looked at them and said, did God really say that you can't eat from just that one? Here they had everything else, uh, but the enemy put in front of them that says, you need what's on that tree. God doesn't want you to to have what's on that tree because if you do, he knows you'll become like him. So what the serpent was basically saying is you have everything that you need but that. And so in that moment, 
They said, you know what? I need it. I need that. Today, I want us to examine the idea that it's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse six, puts it this way. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. He says, better one handful with peace than two handfuls with toil, with turmoil. Has anybody, you ever had your hands full? This happens to me every time that I go to the grocery store. You go to the grocery store, to start with you, you're just going for a loaf of bread and you end up with 37 bags. But I'm the kind of person that I do not care how many bags that I have in my car. I am not making a second trip. Do I have any of those people here today? It just doesn't matter. I do not care. I, it's only like 25 steps, but it is just the principle of the thing. And so I've got bags wrapped around my fingers. It's cutting off the circulation. The bread's getting smashed, but I don't care. And then I'm the kind of person, when I get to the door, I am not putting those bags down so that I can open the door. Because that means I have to bend back over and pick them back up. So I get to the door and I'm kicking it with my foot, trying to open it with my elbow, knocking on it with my head, trying to get somebody to come to the door to let me in because my hands are full and I can't unlock the door. I can't get in. A lot of times, if I know I'm going to the store, I'll leave the door unlocked because we do have that kind of handle that, you know, the kind of handle that you can just open with your elbow. But somebody always comes behind me and locks it. And so I get there and I'm trying to open it and, and I realize it's locked and not again. And, and, and then you knock on the door and the dogs go crazy. And, but I'm not putting those bags down and I'm not making a second trip. And when you start thinking about that, we live our life that way so often. Our hands are so full with everything that we don't have a free hand to do anything. Our hands are so full with everything that we can't help someone who needs help. Our hands are so full with everything that we can't encourage someone who needs encouragement. And we live our life so that, that when we are faced with those situations, all we can do is just say, well, good luck to you. All we can do is the casual, I'm praying for you. Someone who needs encouragement, it's just like, well, good job. But the Bible says better one handful with tranquility than two with toil. Now, you're going to hear me say that several times throughout this message because if you leave here and have nothing else, I want you to be able to quote that verse. I want you to be able to, to live your life. When you wake up in the morning, I want that verse to be on your mind and in your heart. Jesus talked about this in the New Testament. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, 
Jesus said this. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Jesus said, you need to be on guard because this kind of life will just sneak up on you. This kind of life will just take you by surprise. Just all of a sudden, you're gonna have two handfuls. Just like me going to the grocery store only for a loaf of bread. And before you know it, your basket is full. Jesus said, be on guard because it'll sneak up on you. But now I don't know if you've found this theme throughout the New Testament, but some, uh, uh, Jesus often had to, he could say a, something like this and they would just look at him like he was crazy because they didn't understand what he was saying. So in this situation, uh, Jesus goes ahead and says, let me, let me tell you a story. Now, let me explain it to you this way. So in verse 16, he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now, before we go any further, I don't want you to think that this is a message about you leaving here and selling everything that you have and moving into a tent down by the river. That's not what I'm saying. You see, I believe God doesn't care how much that you have. But he doesn't want what you have to have you. He doesn't want what you have to control you. He don't want you to be enslaved to what you have. He wants us to be rich toward things that really matter. Better one handful with tranquility than two with toil chasing the wind. So you say, well, pastor, if it's better to have what matters, what matters? As I began to think about that, I thought, well, if I had 30 days to live, 30 days, what would I be concerned about? Now, all my country music fans, you're thinking skydiving, Rocky Mountain climbing. Oh, don't try to act all spiritual on me. 2.7 seconds, never mind. These here look at me like, what in the world is he talking about? It's a country song. Shouldn't listen to it. But the reality is, is when we think about it that way, When we think about it that way, I've never talked with someone on their deathbed that said, I wish I would have had a bigger house. I wish I would have had a faster car. You start to think about what really 
matters. Better is one handful with tranquility than two with toil. So how do we live? How do we live a, a, a life with just one hand? The first thing we must do is we have to let go of what doesn't matter. We have to identify and realize what is keeping us from fulfilling God's purpose in our life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse one puts it this way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. He's saying, listen, there is something that's set up for you. And there's going to be things in your life to try to keep you from that. The Greek word there that translate, uh, can be translated as to throw off. It, it can be like it's casting down violently. It's not just a, you know, one of these. You know, sometimes you, you get a bug on you and, and you just flick it like that. That's not what it's talking about. Uh, this is talking about like you get a bug in your hair and you don't know what it is and you're swatting at it and you're hitting at it to the ground. My daughter's scared to death of stink bugs. She says they're ugly. We'll be doing schoolwork and if, you know, they're everywhere. And she's sitting there and all of a sudden she just starts screaming. I'm like, what is it? Stink bug. Don't worry about it. But if one gets on her, she's swatting at that thing and she's trying to, and that's the image that I want you to get. It's violently casting it down, casting it off. Throw down everything that hinders, everything that gets in your way of the race that has been set before you. You see, God is a race marked out for you. There is a track, there is a will, there is a purpose, there is a plan. God puts you on earth to do something significant. But your spiritual enemy, the same one that was in the Garden of Eden, he's still in front of you today. And he puts that thing in front of you. And he says, you need that, whatever that is, to be happy. And we forget that God has given us everything that we need. And we see that. And then we spend the rest of our life chasing the wind. Something that we can't catch. Something that doesn't matter. And we have to discipline ourselves to throw that thing down, to cast that thing away. Three quick phrases that I believe are essential to us being able to do that. It's cut back, throw out, and turn off. Cut back, throw out, and turn off. When I look at the first phrase there, cut back, what can we cut back on? Now for you, you have to answer this for yourself, but since I'm preaching, I'm gonna answer it for me. 
I'm gonna open myself up like a book. Two things when I look at my life that, that I could cut back on would be spending and schedules. Spending and schedules. I'll start with spending. Better one handful. Better less with peace and financial margin. I am, um, I like the coats. Not like, like, not like these kind of coats, but coats. And my parents stay with us this weekend and, and in the room that they stay in, there's a walk-in closet. And last night as we were getting ready to go to bed, uh, my mom said, well, you need in here in the morning to get to your clothes. And it's like, all oh, those, my clothes are upstairs. She must've been snooping in the closet because she said, well, that closet's full. I said, yeah, but those are just coats. Those are just coats. And then I started thinking about what I was preaching this morning and, and my mind went back to earlier this week and I got an email. Anybody ever heard of Brad's deals? Anybody get that email? Oh, it's unsubscribe right now. That is the, that is the devil in the form of an email. <clears throat> because they email you and they say, hey, this is like half price. I mean, we've got pots and pans and, and I'm like, honey, it's too good of a deal to pass up. So I get this and I'm sitting there and it's a spider jacket, ski, if you know, expensive jacket. And I had found one on sale a long time ago and it was black. This was exactly like it, but it was blue. You can't have too many coats, right? And so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking and, and to my mind, I'm thinking about this sermon you see, when, 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 you're, when you hear something and God brings something to your attention, there's always going to be an opportunity to apply it. And so I'm sitting here and I'm having this discussion with myself. You've seen the cartoons, you know, the devil on this side and God on the other and whispering in your ear. That's the moment that I'm going through right now. You need that coat. You don't need that coat. You need that coat. And I'm sitting there and I'm just shaking. I'm wanting to order this thing. And I wouldn't be telling this story if I had ordered it. I didn't order it. But my wife, being the woman of God that she is, last night, she said something about that coat. And I said, I didn't order it. She said, you didn't order it? She was surprised that I was able to withstand the temptation. We've been married 26 years. She knows my weakness, but I didn't order it. And I deleted the email because I know it was good until like Wednesday of this week. Got rid of that temptation. But better is one handful with money left over at the end of the month then two handfuls with stress and anxiety and worry, thinking, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. Uh, somebody put it this way, and I, I, I thought this was true. They said, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people that we don't like. 
We go through those three steps and we create worry and stress in our life. But if we could just grab a hold of the fact that better is less with room to breathe, change your life, cut back. The second thing when I look at my life is, is my schedule. Now, if I could think of anything positive that has come out of 2020, I would say that the decluttering of my schedule has been a positive. My wife is still working from home four out of five days a week, and, and my daughter is, is doing home virtual school. And for a long time, there was, you know, you, you couldn't go anywhere. Nothing was open, so there was no, you know, no extracurricular activities. There was no running here and running there, and, and Walmart closes like at four o'clock or something. I used to make fun of towns that, you know, rolled the streets up at dark. Now we're there. I mean, when food fair decided to stay open until nine o'clock, it was like the best day of my life. But here's the challenge for us. As things begin to get back to a little bit closer to what we know is normal, the challenge for us is not to fall back into the same trap that we were in before. Not to get to the point that when people ask us how we are, my common answer was, I'm okay, I'm busy, I'm tired. And if you think about your life, a lot of times we live our lives at that pace. Two handfuls, more than we can handle. Can I tell you that's not God's plan? That's not God's plan for my life and it's not God's plan for your life. Culture has lied to us. Commercials have lied to us. More is better, more is better. More, more, more. I had a professor in college when we were, Christy and I were getting ready to get married. And to be honest, I didn't like him very much. He was hard. So when he gave me this piece of advice, I let it go in one ear and out the other because I didn't like him very much. I'm a much nicer person now than I was when I was 19, 20. But he said, let me give you a piece of advice. More is not better. He said, if you go into this marriage and, and you try to have all the things that your parents have when you're 19 or 20, you're going to live a life of stress. And when it comes to our schedules, that's what we do. We fill our life with so much because we think more is better. Sometimes it, it takes us saying no to some things that everybody else says yes to. And sometimes that's going to be mean saying no to some good things in order to say yes to some better things. Back in the month of September, I had a good friend, a member of his church called and said, hey, we would like for you to come do this pastor appreciation. He's a great friend. I wanted nothing more than, than to, to go. But I knew that if I went, it was going to create, I wasn't going to be here for one thing on a Sunday. 
It was going to fill my schedule, driving up, driving back, staying up there. And I said, as much as I would like to, I, I, I have to say no. It wasn't that it was a bad thing. It was a good thing. But I knew that, that filling my life with that good thing would keep me from something better. When you fill your life with just good things, you see, we often think that the opposite or the enemy to better is bad. But those aren't opposite. Those aren't the things that keep us from better. It's not bad. It's, it's the good. When we fill our life with the good things, we can't grab a hold of the better. Secondly, throw out. Now, uh, a, a month or month and a half ago, we sort of talked about this, so I'm just going to briefly hit it today. We, we talked about cleaning out the clutter, and I inspired some people. Anybody, I, I got some messages. People, you went home and cleaned out your closet. All right, you went home and cleaned out your garage. All right, today I'm going for the attics. Not the attics, the, the attics, okay. We fill our life with so much stuff. I mean, there was a point in time in our life, we, we had a little bit smaller house, but we had an attic and we had a, a garage and we had room and, and we had to rent a storage building just to keep our junk in. Anybody paying 60 or $70 a month right now for that? We got one over here. Come on, confession's good for the soul. Stuff that you haven't seen in years, but we can't get rid of it. But we've got so much clutter in our life. We have too much stuff. We filled up everything that we have. There's just stuff everywhere. Why do we fall into that trap? Because we've been told that more is better. We've been told the lie that stuff matters. And I told you a couple of, uh, when we talked about this a month or so ago, that there is so much less anxiety in my life when I walk into the closet and I don't have to choose between 75 different shirts of what I'm going to wear. You think that's crazy. I thought it was too, but I tried it. Stuff doesn't matter. We have to start throwing out some things in our life. Things that clutter us. Thirdly, we need to turn off. Turn off. Now, I have to admit that if you see me up here trying to move my feet, it's because I'm trying not to step on my own toes. Uh, I thought about wearing steel toe boots this morning. Then I realized I don't have any. Some of you find that funny. But as I begin to talk about this and as I begin to look at my own life, and I can't answer for you, but I can once again talk for myself. There's some things in my life that I need to turn off. Before this pandemic, my wife will testify that I, I don't watch TV shows. Just to me, they were a waste of time and you hear people talking about, oh, I need a new TV show. Ain't somebody give me a, a series to watch. Or you hear somebody, well, I'm going to binge watch this. And I think, who has that kind of time? 
Do something with your life. Get off of Netflix or Amazon Prime video. Or... And now since this pandemic has hit and I've been home, I've become that person. I finished with one series. It's like, what's next? What's next? And they suck you in because it just keeps playing. You watch one episode, it's like a soap opera. 10 seconds, the next one starts. And before you know it, if you've been sitting in front of the TV for like four hours watching. We started watching one and it was like eight seasons. 15, 16 episodes in a season. We got through it like in three days. Okay, I'm exaggerating. I think it was at least four. But I find myself watching more TV than maybe reading God's word or even just playing with my daughter or serving my church. There's some things in your life that maybe you need to turn off. Maybe it's your phone. Man, it was hard for me to say. If you see me do this when I'm preaching, that you know that I've forgotten my phone and it's not, and it's over there and, and I'm having like withdrawals and I'm trying to see where it's at because I told you last week that it goes everywhere with me. But we become so guilty. Well, I'll, I'll say I have, maybe you haven't, okay? If this is not for you, you can just turn it off and pick it back up on the next point. But we'll go to dinner and we're sitting there around the table and scrolling. My wife scrolling. My daughter headphones on. Headphones. She just she keeps one off. I always thought it's because she wanted to hear what we had to say. Then I found out it's because that side doesn't work anymore. I was trying to give her credit and she she gave me let me in on her secret. It's not because I want to hear you. It's because it doesn't work. But we're sitting there and, and we're watching and we're letting things that are important go by. Things like that affect us. They affect our life. We're so bogged down with everything. There comes a point in time which we need to Turn it off. Better is one handful with tranquility than two with toil. Better is one hand with peace. How many people would like to have peace in your life? He says it's better. It's not that what you have is bad, but he said, I've got something better for you. Today, I want to encourage you. You think, well, I'm glad because you've really been discouraging me for the first 25 minutes. Some smart aleck in the back says it's actually been 29 minutes and 37 seconds. I want to encourage you to start to fight for what does matter. When Sanballat and, and Tobiah, 
There was a, a story in the Old Testament that, that Nehemiah was getting ready and he wanted to rebuild the walls. And these two, they, they came and they, they tried to, to talk God's people out of it. And they're saying, you don't need to do this. And in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14, he says this. He said, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And then he said, and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. He said, I know it's not going to be easy. But he said, these are the important things. He said, you've got to, to begin to fight for what is important. You've got to fight like a man or a woman of God. You've got to, to, to quit allowing culture to lie to you. You have to stop wasting your life on what doesn't matter. He said, fight for what matters. Less of what doesn't matter, more of what does. Listen, life is too valuable. And life is too short to spend our time on things that have no eternal value. Your calling is too great. God is too good for us to waste our life on things that don't matter. God created you. He put you on earth to glorify him and to make a difference. He puts you on earth to make him known. He puts you on earth to love him and to love people. But we fill our lives with so much stuff that we, re we reduce it to simply chasing the wind. I need more, more, more. I don't have anything on a Tuesday night. I got to find something to fill that spot. Jesus said, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. When we think of the word greed, we automatically think about money, but it can be more than that. Sometimes we fill our life with so much stuff because we think we need it to be important. He said, be on guard. Your life does not, uh, should not consist of just the abundance of things and the busyness of life. Better is one handful with tranquility, one handful with peace, than two with toil. Better is one handful and a good marriage. Better is one handful and children who know you. Better is one handful and making a difference in life. Better is one handful and having close friends. Better is one handful and having a great relationship with God. Better is one handful and being able to love. 
than two handfuls filled with toil, with stress, with panic, with greed, with anxiety, chasing the wind. Better is one handful. And two. You see, in our life, we're going to have the opportunity. Just as, as I talked about the coat and God giving me the chance to, to put it into practice, in life, we're going to have the opportunities. And I have to be just 100% honest. There are times that I'm so busy of things that, that even I would consider good. That I don't have time to chase after the better. There was a point in, in, in my life, I felt called into the ministry, went to school for it, created a, a tremendous amount of debt Twenty-five years later, I still have for college, and um, at that time, being associate pastor, it didn't pay the bills. It surely didn't give me the life that I thought that I needed, and so I, I, I got a job with a, a company, and I was an associate pastor, and. Um, I was working this other job. And to be honest, I was making more money than I'd ever made in our lives. But I had two handfuls. And the purpose and the plan that God had put me here on this earth for was not to fix computers. That wasn't it. But I was so busy chasing the wind that I began to drift farther and farther away and off the path that I was supposed to be on. And there come a point in time, there was times that, that, that God, he gave me the opportunity to get out. I wouldn't take it. And I didn't view it this way then, but looking back, I can now. God loved me too much to let me keep going down that path. Now, it would have been much easier if I'd have made that choice on my own. But this company came in and said, no more. We need to change the way things are being done. And of course, I was frightened. What are we going to do? 
But God brought me to this verse in Ecclesiastes. He said, better is one handful being able to fulfill the purpose and the plan that I have for your life than two handfuls with toil, with turmoil. I mean, I had no peace. I was working 50, 60 hours a week just doing that. And it was in that moment that I had to to make a decision, God, I'm going to take you at your word. And I can tell you, there's a reason that it's in there. It's not just to fill up pages in a book because it's true. Better is one handful with peace than two toil and chasing the wind. I know this message has been a, a, a little bit different. And here's how I see us closing out this service. I'm gonna ask everybody to stand right where you are. This is not a, uh, a type of message that, you know, there's sometimes that you, that I may preach a message and you may be ready to run out of here and attack hell with a water pistol. I understand and realize that's not this kind of message. But what I want to challenge you to today is to examine yourself and just ask yourself the question, God, am I living a life that is filled with so much that I can't open the door and walk in? That I'm having to to beat on it because I'm helpless. And as you begin to examine your life. We're going to pray. Nick's going to sing. And what I pray that, that, that you leave here today just with the thought, what do I need to cut back on? What do I need to throw down? What do I need to do to free up a hand so that I could do what God has called me to do and fulfill the purpose and run the race that he's put before me. So right where you are, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you, don't just listen to me pray, but ask God to to search your soul. And then we're going to sing a chorus and then we're going to leave here encouraged. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I'm so thankful that God, that you've given us instruction. God, when we look into your word, God, it's it's not to to condemn us, but God, it it is to challenge us. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you will Speak to our hearts. 
God, you see and know every individual situation. God, you see the things that that are distracting us. God, I pray that you will give us the ability to drop those things and to start focusing on what truly matters. God, help us. Give us the strength to begin to fight for the things that matter. God, I'm I'm tired of chasing the wind. God, I don't want to live my life filled with stress and anxiety. But God, I want peace. Father, I pray for everyone that's here today or those who are watching online. God, that we will begin to just entertain the idea that more is not equivalent to better. God, I want to live my life, fulfill the plan and the purpose that you've set before me. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Can we sing this course together before we leave? I'll come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I'll come to the altar the father's arms are open wide forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of jesus christ oh what a sin
isn't he great? What a savior. He's worthy of your praise. I pray that you were encouraged today. I hope that if you leave with nothing else, that you'll be able to quote the verse, Ecclesiastes 4, 6, better is one handful with tranquility than two with toil chasing the wind. Thank you for being here. If you are a guest, uh, please uh, come downstairs and check out our cafe area and uh, it's socially distanced, physically distanced. Uh, we would love to just an opportunity to, to meet you and to chat with you. Uh, thank you for being here. If, don't forget life groups. Uh, we have those uh, tonight, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. There's one for you. Life is better together. Not just good. We want better. Have a great Sunday.